0: The grass is cut, the lines have been painted, the sun is shining, and the pigskin is flying. Gamecock Nation, football is officially back. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello Gamecock Nation and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks Podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host as always, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you for making the Lockdown Gamecocks Podcast your first listen every day. We're free to available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast daily. All righty. So, for today's show, I'm going to be discussing a multitude of different things as Fall Camp is officially underway for the South Carolina Gamecocks. I'll be discussing the three things that I'll be paying attention to and looking for throughout and coming out of Fall Camp. Plus, at the end of today's show, I'll be discussing who signed and who is returning for the 2023. South Carolina baseball team coming out of the Major League Baseball draft. But to start off today's show, I'm going to give y'all real quickly three big takeaways that I had from Shane Beaver's press conference that he had yesterday in the indoor practice facility and a couple of other miscellaneous notes that I took as well. So I'm going to go ahead and get on right into the show, starting off with the first key moment which was a question that Shane Beamer got from Ben Portnoy of the state newspaper who asked him about comments from Will Levis about Spencer Rattler being misunderstood when Levis was being interviewed at SEC media days and saying he didn't understand why. And Ben asked coach Beamer why maybe he thought this was the case and how he had seen Rattler attack things here in the last few months. Now I actually managed to get a sound bite of this answer from the press conference Shane Beamer had yesterday. So here was Shane Beamer's answer to this question.
1: The only thing on. I can gather is way too many people watch. What was the QB one? So it was way too many people watch that. I still haven't to this day, but I mean, I've, some people may say that that portrayed him in a positive light. Well, if I had a documentary on me at the age of 17, I would not be pleased with what was in it. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> in in that situation. So all I know is the Spencer that I was around for two years at Oklahoma and the Spencer on and off the field and the Spencer that I've seen um, um, uh, in his time here as well. So if you take a documentary when he was 16, 17 years old, and then last season, I think it's easy for some people to say that he handled that situation poorly, but I have a hard time finding one instance where, he handled the situation in a bad way that affected that football team last year after, um, after he lost his starting job. So I think it's easy for people to kind of assume that and, and have a perception, but perception, as you guys know, is not always reality, and, and it's not what I've seen and know.
0: And this soundbite, again, was courtesy of the South Carolina Gamecocks' official YouTube channel. And my takeaway on Shane Pumer's answer and subsequent body language regarding this question on Spencer Rattler was that he thinks that people have definitely overblown what Spencer did or didn't do back on the Netflix series QB1 and back in the 2021 season when he lost his starting job to now Southern Cal starting quarterback Caleb Williams. Now, Obviously, Coach Beamer is going to stick up for Spencer Rattler. But the reason why I had this as a main takeaway is this is the most in-depth answer that Coach Beamer has given regarding Spencer Rattler and what has happened in his past up to this point. And if you were able to see any video of the press conference, again, it was interesting to see how visibly agitated, honestly, Coach Beamer looked because of the question itself and, honestly, the narrative in that question. Not that Ben Portnoy asked it in the first place. But because obviously the narrative has been created and spun around in a dozen different ways during this offseason, and I think that at this point Coach Beamer is tired of Spencer Rattler having his character basically dragged through the mud by people who in his mind does not know him like he knows him. So I thought that was a very interesting back and forth there between Coach Beamer and Ben Portnoy of the state newspaper. My second big takeaway from Shane Beamer's press conference was when he was asked about the complexion of the running back room being different and what did he make of it and what has he seen from Marshawn Lloyd and Shaver responds to this question saying that he really likes the group he's eager to see how the room shakes out from a competition standpoint he thinks there's a lot of unique skill sets in this room and with Marshawn he's been great he's had a great summer he's on a mission like he's mentioned multiple times before now He has really stepped up his game this summer and always has been all business and realizes that this is his time. He also brought up Dante Miller and loves C.A. Carroll as well. My big takeaway from Shane Beamer's overall answer to this question is that this is a theme that I think we're going to see not just from Shane Beamer, but all of the media who will be watching fall camp practices and, of course, the fans who are ready for the season to get underway. And despite the losses of Saquandre White and Kevin Harris – The Gamecocks running back room quietly got deeper this past offseason, honestly. And based off of Coach Beamer's remarks, the mentality of the room has changed, with the guys being a year older, Lloyd now being fully back both physically and mentally from his knee injury, and of course the addition of transfers like Christian Bill Smith, Love C.A. Carroll, and Dante Miller, all who have at least a year of experience in college football. Dante Miller and Christian Bill Smith, of course, a few more than Love C.A. Carroll, but Overall, Coach Beamer sounds really excited to see what they can bring to this offense in fall camp. Now, my final big key moment or takeaway from Shane Beamer's press conference was when Mike Yuba asked him a question talking about how a lot of people looking back at last season might look at the 7-6 and six overall record and pretty much stop there in terms of judging last year. Mike, Yuba then proceeded to ask Coach Beamer, based on that, what do you credit for last year's team being so successful in terms of building a foundation? And Beamer responded to this question by saying that they became such a close-knit group last year. He mentioned that the final team meeting before the Mayo Bowl was one of the most emotional team meetings in his entire coaching career, saying that the group truly cared for each other and they truly played for one another. He also credited the competitive spirit and resiliency of the team, saying that we had some ugly first quarters on the road in a couple games last year. But there wasn't a single game where you could say that team didn't battle until the end and compete their butts off, whether it was being down to East Carolina and then coming back and winning, or being down for the majority of the game against teams like Texas A&M and Tennessee. There were a resilient and competitive group overall. And my takeaway from this response from Coach Beamer was that his answer harks back to a facet of this program that has been mentioned more than anything else in the past 20 months, which is the family culture that has been built and instilled into the fabric of this football program. It won't automatically mean you'll win every single game, of course. Everybody understands this. But when you're willing to put yourself through so much for the people next to you, whether it's teammates, co-workers, maybe at a job, or your own family and friends, that's something that is extremely powerful. You cannot quantify that. You cannot measure that. You can't underestimate it. And the way that people responded here truly echoes that. And it's clear that this is such a big part of what he wants this program to be and the staff as a whole wants this program to be going forward. Now, in just a couple of quick moments, I'm going to give y'all a couple of other miscellaneous notes that I took away from Shane Beaver's press conference yesterday. And then afterwards, we'll get into the things I'm going to be paying attention to and looking for regarding the football team in fall camp. Before I do get into all of that, I do need to deliver another message from our friends over at BetOnline. Betonline BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source. For odds, lines, and games, you can also find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and yes, even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online source for all of your sporting wagering information, from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered everywhere. So be sure to head over to the website today, or use your mobile device to learn the latest about the trends and action, because as always, online is where the game starts. All right, so the last couple of miscellaneous notes that I took from Shane Beamer's press conference that he had yesterday afternoon in the indoor practice facility. Uh, From his opening remarks, he did mention that Kai Kroger is going to be out short term with a foot injury that he suffered last week while punting back at his home in Illinois. Now, he is optimistic that he will be back for week one, which is obviously a very good sign in terms of that injury. And some other good news that he threw out there along with this, and obviously not that Kai Kroger's injury is good news overall, but the good news that did come out of this is that everyone else is full speed besides maybe making sure that the coaches watch a couple guys who maybe are a little bit banged up at this point, maybe making sure they don't go 100% in practice right at the very beginning. And Coach Beamer did say this was a credit to the athletic training staff and the strength conditioning staff for this being the case. He also did mention that every healthy kicker has the ability to punt, so it's going to be wide open competition for fall camp, and it will be done by committee. And the last miscellaneous note I took was when Coach Beamer was asked what kind of growth had he seen from the offensive line at this point during the summertime, Beamer really commended Javon Gwynn, a veteran offensive lineman for the work that he's put in this summer, saying that they track a lot of accountability regarding the players in and out of the building and even during workouts. And he said that Javon Gwynn didn't get a single negative strike for anything accountability-wise this summer. And if you could have the perfect summer, Javon Gwynn had it. So, obviously, tell y'all just how much Javon Gwynn is taking this next season very seriously for South Carolina. Could end up being his final year as a South Carolina Gamecock. And, of course, you hope that all the other offensive linemen are doing the exact same thing that Javon Gwynn is in terms of the seriousness that they are taking this upcoming season as a chance to maybe rewrite what the narrative was from this past year and obviously be a pivotal changing mark in terms of really helping this offense taking a step forward in 2022. All right, now to get into a few things that I'm going to be paying attention to in fall camp. And the first question that I have for fall camp is, who's going to be wide receiver three throughout the duration of fall camp and exiting fall camp? Because it's quite obvious to me, Josh Fan's obviously going to be wide receiver number one. I personally believe that there's no question Antoine Wells Jr. is going to be wide receiver number two. And the depth at wide receiver is much better this year, but there's many candidates for the slot position or wide receiver three spot. Guys like to carry on Joyner. Arkansas State wide receiver transfer Corey Rucker is another guy. Amarian Brown, who of course transferred in in the 2020 offseason from Georgia Tech with another year in the system. Could he maybe push more for the slot position. Xavier get put on a bunch of muscle this offseason, had apparently a fantastic offseason according to coaches and players, and he showcased that some in the spring game, and he's looking to go out with a bang for his senior year. Does he get that spot? Jalen Brooks, who missed the latter half of last season and all of spring due to personal reasons, could even make a push here. Or maybe even Landon Sampson, the true freshman out of South Lake Carroll High School from Texas. Maybe he even throws his hat in the proverbial ring for this wide receiver three spot. The point is, the issue here is not talent or depth, but more so being able to manage the egos, split up the reps evenly, and spread the ball around, which is obviously a really good problem for Marcus Satterfield to have compared to maybe what he had this past year. Now, another question that I have going into fall camp is, who's going to be the starting right tackle coming out of camp? Now, with this spot, obviously, I'm referring to offensive tackles Dylan Wonham and Tyshawn Wanamaker. Now, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I don't think Dylan Wonham is a shoe in to be the starter at right tackle. I think that Wanamaker is going to get a legitimate chance here to earn that starting job heading into week one, facing off against Georgia State in Williams Bryce. Now, Dylan Warnham obviously holds the experience advantage here by a mile. He's played in 32 career games and started 30 of them. But a back injury did prematurely end his 2021 season and sidelined him subsequently for all of spring practice. Wanamaker took full advantage of this. He played in all 13 games last year, which did include seven starts at right tackle, obviously after Wanam went down, and he was named to the All-SEC freshman team by the SEC's coaches at season's end, and he held on to the spot in spring practice, which led into a solid spring game performance, showing, in my opinion, improved pass blocking and real solid run blocking, which has always been Wanamaker's strength, in my opinion. So with the right tackle position, neither of these two guys are going to be just simply handed this job. I think, obviously, this is going to be an open competition, in my opinion, maybe even leading into the Georgia State game. And who knows, if one guy gets put in the Georgia State game and Arkansas and Georgia game subsequently thereafter and struggles, then maybe the other guy ends up getting a shot. But, of course, you got to believe this coaching staff is going to hope that one of these guys is going to pull ahead of the other by the time the season kicks off. And then my last question that I have for fall camp is, how will the second string and the secondary look for the Gamecocks? Now, I talked about all this in depth on my Wednesday show when I broke down both the cornerback, nickelback, and safety spots. So you can feel free to go back and check that out if you want maybe a more in-depth breakdown on the secondary as a whole. But overall, I talked about how behind the projected starting group, which of course, again, you can pretty much chalk it up if you know this roster well enough. Cam Smith at nickelback. At the outside corner slot, you'll have Darius Rush and Marcellus Dial. And then at the safety position, you'll have R.J. Roderick and Devani Reed, the transfer out of Central Michigan. That is going to be the starting lineup. There's no questions, if, ands, or buts about that. But behind those guys, there are some question marks with this defensive back room. And my personal projections for the second string in the secondary was David Spalding at nickelback cornerbacks O'Donnell Fortune and Keenan Nelson Jr. at the other slot, and then at the safety position, Isaiah Norris and Tyrese Ross. Now, the reason why I think this is going to be something to watch in fall camp is obviously besides, you know, trying to figure out who the guys are that are going to step up in the secondary, with the added depth at receiver, tight end, and running back, basically all the offensive skill positions for fall camp, I'm going to be very interested in, to see and read up on how the backups in the secondary deal with facing more SEC caliber depth, even if it's just on the practice field. Because the other thing is, and I've mentioned this before on the show as well, when it comes to practice, basically intra-squad practices for football, the defense is typically given the advantage in practice because of the fact that they know a lot of the offense's play calls, they know their language, they know their terminology. So more often than not, there's not going to be a play call that's going to get thrown out there that's going to just catch the defense completely off guard. They're going to know, more often than not, what the offense is running, or at least have a good idea. And so, with that bearing in mind, and again, the added talent at the skill positions, if we hear something like, you know, the first string in the secondary is doing really good. They're holding their own. But the backups are just getting torched. It's like Swiss cheese. There's a hole over here. There's a hole over there. There's a 50-yard bomb going this way from right. If we hear that all throughout fall camp, then this secondary could indeed be in trouble. Because as I mentioned on the Wednesday show, if we have some of the starting defensive backs go down with injuries, and we are forced to have to put some of these backups in the ball game. Again, it's the SEC, the best conference in all college football. You're facing against the best athletes in college football. And in a lot of cases, you're facing some of the best wideouts. So, you know, we got to be able to rely on these guys. We need guys that can go out there and be reliable enough to where we can have a rotation for these guys so that, you know, Cam Smith and Darius Rush and all these other guys, they're not out there playing, you know, 80, 90 plus snaps. But if they don't perform well in fall camp, then it's going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out. So for that reason, I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to how the backups in the secondary perform in fall camp. All right. so for the last segment of today's show, I want to recap some of the Major League Baseball draft signings and subsequently some of the returns that the Gamecocks are going to have on the baseball team for the 2023 season. So I'll start off with the guys who signed. The first guy that did sign was Josiah Seitler, a player who, of course, was on the roster for the last four years, was drafted in the 15th round to the Pittsburgh Pirates and has decided to sign a contract to go ahead and get into their minor league system. Josiah Seitler, obviously, was just mashing the ball over the place in Founders Park and in opposing ballparks this past season, was one of the better hitters on this team, played most of the season hurt, and gave a very valiant effort quite honestly. Uh, He played, of course, in the outfield at first base and at designated hitter, played multiple different spots. Again, was in this program for four years and gave gave everything he had to South Carolina. And, of course, for most guys who end up staying in college for a decent period of time in college baseball, kind of like college basketball, the longer you stay in college, the more it seems to really hurt your draft stock in the eyes of executives and front office uh, personnel for these franchises. And so, I think this was a good decision by Josiah Seidler. I think this was a no-brainer. It sounds like the money was good enough where he was comfortable to go ahead and take the next chapter of his life, go ahead and try his luck at making it to the big leagues. So congratulations to Josiah Seidler for signing this contract. We appreciate everything you did as a Gamecock, and we wish you all the best of luck with your time with the Pittsburgh Pirates organization and, of course, minor league baseball trying to make it to the majors. And another guy that did sign was Jacob Zibben, who was a high school commitment that was drafted in the 10th round by the Cleveland Guardians. Him, of course, being drafted where he was drafted. It was pretty much a no-brainer for him to go ahead and sign and get started in their minor league system. Those are the two guys who ended up signing. However, the Gamecocks are getting a few very pivotal players back for this next season, including Braylon Wimmer. The do-it-all second baseman has decided he is going to return after he was drafted in the 18th round of the Major League Baseball Draft by the Philadelphia Phillies. And admittedly, again, I was surprised that Wimmer fell this far into the draft. Wimmer provides a lot of skills and versatility in the sense that he's got decent speed. He's a real solid fielder at second base. And he's also got a decent all-around bat. He can hit for contact, but he can also hit for power. And so I thought that Wimmer was going to get drafted somewhere between the 10th and 15th round. And for whatever reason, that just ended up not happening. And so Wimmer, I guess, based on the fact he fell so far in the draft, just decided, you know, hey, I want to come back and improve my draft stock and show that I am a better player than that. So obviously a big deal for head coach Mark Kingston to get a guy back in Braylon Wimmer, who has been in the program for his entire career under Mark Kingston, knows how he runs the program, knows how he wants things to look that's a big deal for Kings to get to get a guy like Wimmer back. He also will be seeing Noah Hall come back to Founders Park. Noah Hall, of course, was one of the most improved players by far by the end of the season this past year. A guy that obviously was thrown to the fire after James Hicks tore his UCL and needed Tommy John surgery early last season. Saw so his first appearance against Clemson and ended up only pitching like into the 3rd or 4th inning and throwing about 38 to 45 pitches. Something like that. And, you know, obviously, he had his struggles, but again, he wasn't probably expecting to come in here and be a starting pitcher, be expected to be one of those guys in the weekend rotation. And Noah Hall went from that to, at the end of the year, he was nearly throwing complete games against SEC opponents, which, based on how many SEC teams went to the NCAA tournament last year, how deep this conference is, yeah, that's not easy to do on any given weekend in the SEC. So... Noah Hall, I thought, really showed a lot of progression in this role. And with him coming back, the Gamecocks pairing him up with Will Sanders. And then they'll need to find a third man to fill in the weekend rotation. This could be one of the strongest weekend rotations in the entire SEC in 2023. And then they do bring back James Hicks. Now, James Hicks, of course, as I mentioned earlier, he did have Tommy John surgery after tearing his UCL in his second start this past season. He was the Saturday starter at the beginning of the year. Of course, that prematurely ended everything for him. And he decided to come back for one more season. And this doesn't quite frankly surprise me too much because obviously you draft a guy in the 15th round coming off of Tommy John. There's a lot of risk for a team to take by getting a guy like that. And he probably was going to be able to get a whole lot of money going ahead and signing. So, doesn't surprise me that Hicks is decided to come back. I will say this, with how long it normally takes to recover from Tommy John's surgery, I highly doubt that he'll be a starter once he's fully recovered. I could see him being maybe more of a middle reliever in the bullpen. A guy that you throw out there in the fourth or fifth inning, if a guy gets dinged up a little bit, that starts the game, needs to be pulled out. And he ends up pitching maybe two, three, four innings as long as his arm is feeling good. And you don't want to throw a guy back out there after Tommy John coming back, and right out the gate, he's throwing like 100-plus pitches. You don't want to be doing that to a pitcher of yours. So that's kind of the role I expect James Hicks to have this next season. But nonetheless, because of the role he was given at the beginning of last year, it's obvious this staff sees a lot of potential in him. So to get a guy like that back, any help that we can get for this bullpen, which at some points last year was just downright horrible, uh, would be awesome for the South Carolina Gamecock baseball team. Now, they're also going to get a couple of high school guys who were expected to be high draft picks that ended up falling either all the way out or being drafted extremely late. Guys like Ethan Petrie, who was a third baseman or infield prospect, and right-handed pitcher Eli Jerzenbeck. Both these guys now coming in are going to be expected to make immediate impacts for the Gamecocks, especially Eli Jerzenbeck. I think based on what I've read on him, the little bit I've seen up to this point, he could maybe contend for a weekend rotation spot, fill in that final slot behind Noah Hall and Will Sanders. So, we get a guy like him, and maybe that takes a little bit of pressure off Matthew Becker and these other relievers who, again, you know, it was battings by fire, just throwing guys out there, trying to see if anybody could handle starting a baseball game, maybe just giving us three, four innings. That would be a massive help for this pitching staff. Ethan Petrie, I think, is a guy that has solid defense and solid batting, and of course, you know, the gangcocks had their moments in both aspects last year where maybe they weren't the best in that area. So, Getting both of these guys are absolutely huge for Mark Kingston and this team. And again, I think that they both are going to be able to make an impact in some fashion in 2023. But with that being said, y'all, that is going to do it for today's show of the Lockdown Game Cox podcast. I hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. And what are your thoughts on what Champion said in his press conference yesterday? Was there anything maybe that you caught on to that maybe I didn't mention in today's show? What about questions within fall camp? Is there anything maybe you're going to be looking for from this team that I didn't mention as a question mark? Maybe something that you're really worried about. And, of course, the baseball team. What about bringing all these guys back, the guys who left? Do you think that's going to make this baseball team even better this next season? How much help could these guys provide, like an Ethan Petrie and Eli Jersenbeck, who's signing out of high school? I do want to hear your thoughts down below in the comments section if you're watching this on YouTube. But of course, if you are listening to the show today on an audio podcast app, wherever you get your podcast daily, you can also feel free to shoot me a message at alion underscore sc, and I'll be sure to respond to any replies or comments that you have for me as quickly as I see them. And of course, if you've enjoyed the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast and you want to get more news on the entire SEC conference, then make Lockdown SEC your second listen every day. Where host Chris Gordy and the local experts of lockdown take you across the SEC in just 30 minutes. Again, make Lockdown SEC your second listen after, of course, the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. But with all that being said, y'all, that's going to do for me on today's show. Hope you all have a great rest of your Friday and a fantastic weekend. Fall camp is officially here for the South Carolina Gamecocks. I'll be sure to give y'all as much coverage as I possibly can. I'll catch you on the next show, of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.